Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, everybody. I'm Nolan Tuck. Stacy Glover. And this is Cinema Parlor. Stacy, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, feeling merry, full yeah. of cheer. You're full you? of champagne. That too. What are we what are we drinking today? Why don't you tell me what you got there? Tell me how much you've drank thus far. I'm on my well, I've I've basically drinking a whole bottle of champagne. This is Andre Champagne, mm-hmm. the Brut variety, which is the best kind of champagne to drink because it's the tastiest. Yeah. The Brut. You've uh, really been digging the champagne lately. Yeah. You've been getting champagne drunk. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, this is this is a great drink. And also, I've got one glass of champagne left. Uh, after I drink that, I might switch over to this wine called the Winking Owl. It's from California. And... Our friend Chris said it was good, so... Yeah, he left it over here. It's a dry wine, medium-bodied, subtle flavors of blackberry, black cherry, and a hint of spice. Let me ask you this. If people leave alcohol after visiting your house, do you think that you should drink it? Free game. Free game. That's what I say. Free alcohol is the best alcohol. Oh, yeah. Right. Definitely. Well... What are you drinking, man? Okay, I've got... A 1050 Imperial Stout. It's a barrel-aged, brewed and canned by Oscar Blues Brewery. Okay. It is a 12.9%. I think it tastes pretty decent. Get but in the, there. Yeah. Take a, take a big gulp of that. <sighs> but yeah, man. Um, we're just having some beverages, some holiday cheer. Um, did some shopping, you know. Yeah. So what have you been up to other than, you know, preparing for the holidays? Well, you know, I've, I've done some shopping as well um, at my place of employment. I had uh, my last day of work on Friday and I'm off for a week and a half. You know, I, I make it to where, you know, I, I get a few days off for the holidays, but I kind of fix my vacation time around Christmas time and then in the middle of summer. So yeah. Get a couple, one to two weeks off at each point in, in the year. Split yeah. it up a little bit. But yeah, I'm I'm pumped, man. Um, I I finished my shopping. We went out today a little bit. Yeah, did some crazy shopping on the Sunday before Christmas, and I'm ready to uh, to enjoy the next couple days. Yeah, it, it's gonna be a good time, man. Lots of good eating, family, friends. Yeah, just goodness. Yeah. So, what have you been up to, man? As far as uh, movie wise, what have you been watching? What have well, you been playing? Okay, so I've been watching a lot of Christmas movies. I'm you know big on the holidays and stuff, so. That's what we do. Not all the Christmas movies we watch are conventional, but I uh, I did watch Lethal Weapon, which is a Christmas movie, and I watched the sequel, Lethal Weapon Two, which is not a Christmas movie. You've watched, you've watched the first one, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a good movie. It's well scripted. Um, you know, I I think that movie and Die Hard are kind of responsible for how action films changed. You know, from the late eighties. And, you know, we've uh, we've talked about this before with when we did uh, Commando and Cobra, you know, that like cycle being kind of short. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get these like realistic, you know, kind of funny, quippy movies, you know, in uh, Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. And it kind of changed everything. I mean, after Lethal Weapon, like how many buddy cop movies were there? Yeah, lots. Yeah, there were. There were a lot. Of um, you know, it, and it's a good movie. It, it's not perfect. It's got a lot of. It's got weird pacing stuff near the end of the film. Like, the third act just flies by. Um, the second movie is a little bit more generic. It's, uh, like, it's good. It's good to watch those guys 
you know, interact and stuff. But they do stuff where they kind of tie it back to the first film with, like, Mel Gibson's wife's death and making these bad, you know, South African dudes responsible. I, I don't like it when movies, like, take things. It, it just seems too convenient, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not making much sense right now, but... No, it's cool. Yeah, if you've seen the movie, maybe you know what I'm talking about. Yep. I've only, uh, in that series, I've only seen the first and the fourth movies. <clears throat> Well, number two is worth a watch. I think you'd like it. You like those type of movies, like the Mm -hmm. buddy cop, humorous, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, So, I think the reason I saw the fourth one so much is, uh, I remember when we were in high school, like, that that movie was kind of popular a little around that time, and it it seemed to be on TV all the time. Well, that was, uh, that's Jet Li's first American film, right? And as I recall, isn't that like one of the first big movies that Chris Rock is in? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I've seen the fourth one probably more than the first one, to be honest. It's oh, kind of strange. Yeah, but I have seen good. the first one. The first one's an enjoyable action film. Yeah. For sure. well, right. what, what about you, man? Yeah, so I don't really watch that many Christmas movies, but I, I you know, I have watched a couple. Um, I've watched, I've caught up with some more films from 2018 here. Uh-huh. We both try to do that towards the end of the year, to, and I still have a lot to get caught up on. Yeah. But since we last talked, uh, I watched a documentary called Three Identical Strangers. Yeah. What? What's your thoughts on the film? I think we feel very similar. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty mixed on the movie. This is a documentary by Tim Wardle. It's about you know three triplet brothers who didn't find each other until well, they were they, 19 years yeah, they old. They were split separated up. Separated at birth. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the first, like, 45 minutes to an hour of the movie, I was, like, pretty invested, actually. I thought it was pretty interesting stuff. I, To my, in my opinion, I think they ran out of material. Uh, like, I understand what they were trying to do with, with the documentary and the route they take. But it just yeah. didn't work for me. And I just found the last, like, 30 to 45 minutes a bit tedious and hard to get through. I feel like they didn't really, the filmmakers didn't take a stance on like, they present this question of, is it nature versus nurture Mm -hmm. on like, what, what's the main thing as far as like child development, but they present like both arguments. And I think that they present like very clear evidence on one side, Mm -hmm. but they don't really take a stance on it one way or the other. I, I think it kind of makes the third act a little weak. Sure. Yeah. It, but it, it's an interesting story and worth telling. It is. I mean, I, you know, we didn't grow up in that time. So, like, for me, this was a story I'd never heard of. And I'm sure at the time when it happened, it seemed like it was kind of a big deal. Probably. And uh, so, you know, it, it is a story worth discovering. Like, especially how they find each other and, you know, all all that stuff. And But uh, but I'm with you. It, it runs out of steam. But, yeah. um, you know. I watched it, so that's that. Well, cool. It was fine. A couple other newer movies I've watched. Uh, I watched uh, Let the Sun Shine In. This is the new Claire Denis film. Um, I really liked it. It stars Juliette Binoche. She's quite good. Um, it's a movie that I might talk about towards the end of the year. It's a possibility anyway. Oh, wow. I really liked it a lot. Uh, also, I got to see uh, Paddington 2. This is Paul King's sequel to... The first Paddington, a couple years back, I think this is the better of the two movies, although I like the first one as well. And this, uh, actually, just a really feel-good movie. Hugh Grant, who we don't see much anymore, is hilarious. I found him very watchable in this movie. And, uh, just, I don't know, it it, it, it filled me of cheer, that movie. I, I felt awesome after watching it, and I, I had a good time with it. And, uh, I would, you know, highly recommend it. I, um... 
I haven't watched those movies yet, but we did have that movie playing on a demo TV at work, and it looks like there's some actually, like, competent, not, like, action scenes, but scenes of, like... I, I wrote this on my letterbox review. <laughs> I was a big fan of, of uh, Widows, but I said this is the better heist movie. This is the best heist movie of the year. Yeah, Paddington 2. Yeah, man, uh, I, I want to see it. I love, like, I like family It's movies. a very well-staged film. Uh, great art direction. I mean... Just, I, I, it was great. Am I going to cry when I watch it? Yeah, I think you might I'm a little sappy, tears. you know. I, yeah. Yeah. But, like, in a good way. Yeah. Like, it, it's a feel-good movie. Well, I let's talk about some movies that made me, uh, you know, a little, yeah. little misty-eyed. I watched uh, Scrooged and Muppets Christmas Carol. Okay. Talking about Christmas movies. Both of them are a take on um, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Right. I, I think both are... They're they're pretty good movies. They're I I think Muppets Christmas Carol might be the best telling of the Christmas Carol story in movie form. Maybe that's sacrilegious or whatever, but I think Michael Caine is the best Scrooge. Like his performance, it's so awesome because he is acting as if he is in like, you know, the Royal Shakespeare Theater of London. Like he it him acting with Muppets, it doesn't matter. Like he's giving it his all and Michael Caine Acting at 100% is just one of the best actors ever. So, I I don't know. The movie's awesome. And I love the ghost designs. Like, those puppets look awesome. And it's just a good movie with great music. Paul Williams did the music. Uh, if you like Phantom of the Paradise, um, Paul Williams did most of the Muppet music from, like, the original Muppet film on through, I think, the 90s. Right. So, like, all those songs are really awesome. Scrooge is a good film. It's Richard Donner. It's... It's all right. Like, Bill Murray is way over the top in the movie. Um, some of his actions and reactions don't really make sense in the context of what's happening. But it's always entertaining because it's Bill Murray. I think that he's one of those guys that can kind of get away with overacting and being a crazy person. Sure. But the the third act for the movie really sells it for me. Dude, Karen Allen, she's freaking adorable in this movie. The ghosts are great. It, it's a fun movie. And, yeah, that third act, man, it, it's very earnest. Very good. Yeah, good Christmas films. I've seen neither of them. Maybe I'll watch them someday. Yeah. Speaking of Christmas Carol movies, I watched Mickey's Christmas Carol, the animated one. Uh, it's only like 25 minutes Yeah, or when so. did you watch it? Did you uh, watch it with Kendra? I did. I watched it with Kendra the other night. Um, did you cry? No, but I liked it a lot. Hold, hold on. You didn't get a little gooey when... Tiny Tim dies, and Mickey's holding, like, the crutch? No, I was That's most... That's sad. Well, I can't say what I want to, because... The Tiny Tim character, for me, it's not a laughable matter. But here's the thing, I'm going to tell a story. It was ruined for you. It was ruined for me. When we were in high school, we went on a field trip for our deck at once. And we went to this Mexican restaurant, and we were eating. Yeah. Our friend Chris says things he doesn't mean to be inappropriate sometimes but it happens like in bad circumstances well i mean we all do that yeah and we were joking about something and he 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 said tiny tim with the gimpy leg Uh uh-huh and as he said that right behind him was an actual kid in a wheelchair (laughs) rolling by him and he looked at it and he like you just said it he looked at the person in the wheelchair. I'm okay. sorry, I didn't mean it to come out that way. <laughs> and uh, as the kid walked, obviously, probably it was heard what Chris said. You th- yeah. And 
like it's a it's a rough situation, but a, a funny situation looking on hindsight. Right? right. So that's like the only thing I think about when I see Tiny Tim anytime. So like I have I, I can't take that character serious even though you're supposed to. So so no matter how good of a telling the Christmas Carol is, right. you can't buy into the drama because it was it was ruined. Because of you know. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, that probably is an awful thing to say. I don't, you know, it's just, it's what happened. I mean, it's pretty funny. So, were you laughing when Mickey's holding that crutch? I mean, during, while That's we were evil. watching it, I, I said multiple times, Tiny Tim with the gimpy leg. Oh, man. <laughs> but anyway, I, I liked it. It was it was a fun anime, like, uh, It's a good Christmas thing. special, uh, yeah. I, I thought that, like, you know, I miss old school animation, man. So, anytime, I, yeah. it's always fun to catch up with stuff and, and I think I, re- I remember images from that, so I'm sure I watched it as a kid. I just oh, yeah. you know, I don't remember it. Anyway, so that was really fun. Uh, some Christmas movies, like, I watch every year. Like, every year. I, I mean, like, the last few years kind uh-huh. of been more of a tradition. Um, we watched this together the other night, which is Night Before. Yeah. I think that's a really fun Christmas movie over the last couple of years. Um, you know. Yeah, I think it came out 2015. Yeah. And We've watched it the last three years. Yeah, three years in a row. Seth Rogen is just hilarious in that movie. Like, yeah. I, I can't... My face hurts usually after I watch that movie every time just because I'm smiling and laughing the whole time. And mm-hmm. it's just a really fun movie. And then the other thing I, I usually watch is another... Is a, the ridiculous movie Just Friends, which is a rom-com of sorts with uh, Amy Smart and Ryan Reynolds, yep. I believe. And, and Chris Klein. Chris, Chris Klein, yeah. And great Chris... Chris Klein... Chris, no, I can't talk. A great Chris <laughs> Klein performance. Can and you say Chris Klein three Chris, times fast? I cannot. I'm not going to try. Chris Klein? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but anyway, that, that, it's a, you know, it's a ridiculous movie, but it's funny and I enjoy it and it brings me laughter. Yeah. So the, the Ryan Reynolds fat suit stuff is pretty good. Yeah. Him singing, I swear, gets yeah. me every time. So, yeah. That, that's a quality film. Yeah. I That movie, like, I think I, I don't know why I always, for some reason, I always like, I don't know what it is, but I, I respond to like comedies that... Like, they go back to where they're from. Like, they've had a bad time when they were younger growing up there. And then, like, I, I find it fascinating, these movies, when you, like, you go back to, like, your hometown and, like, you're a different person now. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. Like, but gross I, point blank. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good. You know, I like that stuff. So, it's an enjoyable movie. Anna Ferris is the pop star in yeah, that, I, right? Yeah, I should have said that. Yeah, Anna yeah, Ferris. Yeah. She's really great in it as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So. No, that's a fun movie. Yeah. Anything else for you, man? Um. Well, I've been playing some Switch. I, uh, I've been playing Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. I'm trying to unlock all the characters, so when we have a Smash party, all 74 characters will be unlocked for our enjoyment. 74, 75, something like that. All right. Also, I've been playing this awesome game called Into the Breach. I'm playing it on the Switch. It's also available on Steam. It's, uh, you're a time-traveling military, like, general guy, and the, it's, it's kind of like a roguelike where you make runs, and it plays like XCOM, but it looks like a Super Nintendo game, hmm. if that makes sense. So you have, like, the grid board, and bugs are invading. So you have these, like, different bug units. And the cool thing is, you launch your, like, mechs down, like, Starship Trooper style. The book, not the movie. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, it shows you, like, what the bugs are going to do. So that's kind of the unique thing about it is you know what your enemy is going to do and you have these objectives of like protect the base, protect the train, things like that. And they're very simple matches. They only last like two to five minutes, 
but it's all about like moving your enemies around the map because most of the moves you can do push them and you just get different objectives and you know level up get new mechs get new gear it's really fun and since things go so quick it's kind of an addicting loop so yeah i'm liking it a lot awesome that sounds good uh i've been i mean i've i've got about three games right now i'm in rotation with uh you know i keep on the 2k nba 2k19 which i talk about a lot on here for those that don't know, I'm a bit of a basketball nut. Uh, love my Thunder in real life. Tied for first place right now in the West Conference. What, what? Thunder up. Uh, <laughs> also, I'm having a pretty nice night because last night I'm also a big Mizzou basketball fan. And they beat Illinois in the bragging rights team for the first time in five years. So I had a nice evening last night. Um, but also in my rotation, I'm also playing, uh, of course, Red Dead 2, which we've talked about often, and yep. I restarted a new character in Borderlands 2, which is one of my favorite games probably ever. Like, I love that game, and it's just like a grind and loot machine, and I'm playing with the character Gage, who's the Mechromancer. I played with her a long time ago, and she's a lot of fun to play with. Yeah. I just really enjoy that game. So, mm. yeah. I also, I think you would enjoy this. So, I went through all the Resident Evil 7 DLC. Okay. So I did the Not a Hero thing, that's uh, Chris Redfield's campaign, which, you know, it's okay, there's a lot of puzzles, and the boss fight's really cool at the end, but there's this other thing that, like, caps off the game, it's like an epilogue almost, called The End of Zoe. You know the premise of the game, it's like a southern, like, mm -hmm. you know, mansion or whatever, and... Right. Okay. So, you're this family, like, the uncle of this family, and you find her... So he plays a different character? He in... plays okay. a different character. It's really funny. Uh, but it, it's weird because the story's kind of serious, like, especially the ending. It's very serious. But you play as this, like, hillbilly with this giant beard, and the only attacks you have are punching. Oh, wow. You punch the monsters. Dang. And there's, like, crocodiles and stuff that are mutated, and there's, like, bugs. Like, that's how you regain your health. So, you know, in the Resident Evil series, it's mostly herbs. Right. In this, you're, like, lifting trees up and, like, getting, like, huh. grub and stuff. And it's really funny because, dude, there's this line he says that just cracked me up and it made me think of, like, you would just laugh at this. So, I'm wading through this, like, river trying to get through, you know, to get to my next location and these mutated gators are, like, roaming around. And the guy is just like, not now, gator. <laughs> uh, it just cracked me up. It, it's so ridiculous. Like, you do combos with your fist, you punch things, you eventually get, like, a robotic gauntlet that gives you a super punch. Oh, wow. It's really stupid, but kind of awesome. Sweet. I'm a, I'm a sucker for random weird dialogue lines in games. Yeah, I, I, so I like that, man. You don't get that as much anymore. Everybody tries to make, like, serious games, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not now, Gator. That's yeah. a really funny thing to say. It is. That's that's another reason I love Borderlands so much, because there's so many dumb, ridiculous things said. In yeah, Claptrap's really good. But that's awesome, man. Uh, I I need to play that game, so... So, do you have any other movies or games you want to talk about? No, I think that's it for me. How about you? No, man. Um, There is stuff I do want to talk about, though. Uh, it is that time of year. Christmas. Let's talk about it. Yeah. What okay. what, what, are you, what are you doing? Like, what, what traditions do you guys have? Our tradition is with my family is uh, we just usually get together with just me, my mom, dad, and my two sisters. Um, we get together on Christmas Eve. My dad usually makes a nice fancy meal. Uh, this year we're going to be doing steaks and he's going to be making a seafood chowder. Usually have a lot of awesome sides, uh, a lot of good drinks, a lot of fun. And uh, 
you know, we have a good time. So I'm looking forward to that. Then on Christmas Day, uh, we gather back at their house. And in the past, uh, you know, we get up early. This These last few years, since me and my sisters don't live at home anymore, it's usually, you know, more like 10 o'clock or 11, whenever people get up in the morning and sleep in some. And we go over there and we open gifts in the morning and my mom usually makes a brunch and uh, we also, uh, those last few years, we get a Kringle, which is a nice pastry. Um, we get that from one of our local bakeries here called Supreme Bakery here in Springfield. And uh, we have that with some coffee. This year, I think we're going to have a ham. Uh, we'll just spend the day and just chill and enjoy each other and, you know, usually stay until the evening and then go then go the separate ways. But we have a great time. So what about you, man? Well, okay. Back to yours. Yeah. Um, when you were a kid, mm-hmm. did you do anything different? Like when when you guys were kids, like did you, were you one of those kids that like you would get up early and go to your stocking and try to like see what Santa brought you? Or I don't know if your family did that. I was, I was always, as a kid, like I grew up, we both grew up in a smaller town of maybe three to 5,000 people, somewhere in that area. Yeah. And it was like, it was a big Christmas is a big deal. It still is a big deal, but it was like a super big deal. And I was always pumped. Like, I remember Christmas Eve's going to bed, like, I had a hard time sleeping because mm-hmm. I was so excited. Yeah. In the morning. We did the thing where, like, it was, you know, we put out, like, milk and cookies that my dad would eat. But, right. You know, thinking Santa would That's be a good gig. Yeah. Sometimes I'd put carrots out for Rudolph. You. <laughs> I, I'm sorry I laughed. I we didn't do that. I I didn't know about the reindeer food. I didn't even think That's about right. that. That makes sense. Uh, That's right. We didn't even have a chimney, so I mean, but it's wait. <laughs> you said carrots for Rudolph. Yeah. Did you put enough out for all the reindeer, or was it just the no, one? No, just like two, two big carrots. Two big carrots. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> when you say carrots, were they full like, carrots? Like they were full carrots. Yeah. So it wasn't like what. <laughs> Did your dad just chop him up, or did he actually, like, bite into him? It's hard to say with him. He's a crazy guy. He is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Shout gosh. Shout out to Tuck. Dude, I, just an aside real quick. I don't know if you remember this, but it was probably around, like, the fall or Christmas time of the year. I, we were at Walmart with your dad, mm-hmm. and your dad was just walking around grabbing cans of beans and putting them in places in the store. That's right. He's that a didn't real, make sense. He's a real trickster. Yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was. Okay, so two full carrots? Yeah. Okay. If my memory serves right. Were they nibbled on? Like, could you tell? They were gone in the morning. So, oh, I mean... Fully gone. Either he ate them or threw them away or used them in, like, a stew or salad or something. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so what time would you get up as a kid? Like, I would usually average? get up really early. I- I'm thinking, like, seven do around you, that area. Did you do cartoons or anything? Like, did you have to wait for your parents to get up? Yeah, I mean... Me and my sisters, and I'm, I'm like, so, you know, my first, so I'm four years older than my middle sister. I'm eight years older than my younger right. sister. So I had a few Christmases by myself. But for the most part, I remember Christmases with them, and we'd get up, we'd wake my parents up, usually, you know. And yeah, my, we always, like, we have these giant stockings. So, like, when I was pretty young, my aunt actually, she she's a quilter and she, you know she does that type of thing so she actually made me and my sister's stockings and she did the same for 
my uncle's kids as well. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so we have these, and I'm serious. They're like almost as tall as me. These, the Do you still have are, them? Yeah, we use them still every year. Oh, that's cool. And they're so big that like, obviously you can't like fill the stockings up because uh-huh. that would be a little tedious. But, you know, my, my mom and dad would always do a good job of like filling them up with like just ridiculous things sometimes like just to add to the girth, like can't, like bottles of soda or like, you know, just like <clears throat> I remember we would used to get like the sparkling grape juice when I was a kid, like stuff like that. And they put candy and little mm, toys and stuff in there. Um. Okay. Question on, did your parents do the whole like sand? Obviously they did because uh, they left cookies and stuff yeah. out. Did your parents do presents from Santa, yes. or was it just treats? It was from Santa. Like they would, they would literally. So like from Santa. Okay, my family would do one big present from Santa, and then a big present from them because it's like, as a parent, you're like, you know, right. I bought this shit. Yeah. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. And I had both. Yeah. Like usually, the smaller gifts were from Santa. Okay. So but the bigger gifts were from mom, dad. Mom and dad. See, my parents did it, uh, like, they split it, okay. where, like, one big gift is from Santa. So, like, you're going to... And what we would do is... So, I guess I should just talk about what my family does. Yeah, sorry, I'm pouring some No, wine. no, no, you're good. Um, So, my family, and this has been tradition up until recent... Christmas Eve was when we would get with the rest of our family, like our extended family, Mm -hmm. and we would have Christmas at my grandmother and grandfather's house. They are no longer with us, Mm -hmm. so that tradition's kind of gone, so I imagine they still get together, but that's what we would do is Christmas Eve with the whole family, and then we would come home. And we would get to open one gift. Did you do that on Christmas Eve? Did you get to do yeah, that? Yeah, we did that gift? sometimes. Later, like, kind of when I was, when we started to become teenagers, we started doing that. Just, like, even this year, my mom already told us, like, Christmas Eve this year, she wants us to all open up one present because, spoiler alert, they're going to be pajamas for everybody. And oh. she wants everybody to wear them on Christmas Day. That's really of. nice. Yeah, so the Christmas Eve, you have that present. And mm-hmm. then, you know, we would go to bed somewhat early like 10 or 11 o'clock or whatnot. And then I was a madman. I would wake up at like 3 or 4 a.m. And like me and Amanda, my older (laughs) sister, we would get up. I have two younger siblings that, you know, later on, you know, we'd hang out with them and stuff too. Mm -hmm. But what we would do um, on cable television, there was just cartoons playing all the time. So that doesn't really happen anymore. But... You could, like, turn on TNT or TBS or whatever, and you'd have Looney Tunes playing for, like, three hours straight. Yeah. We would look at our stocking, and we would just watch cartoons and nap until we weren't allowed to wake our parents up until, like, seven or eight in the morning. Okay. So it's like you're just waiting. Yeah. So it's like you you have all your stocking stuff, and then you're just waiting. Nice. So <laughs> that's what we would do. Okay. You know, since we're all older now, obviously we don't do that. We, we now go over on Christmas morning... Last year, and I think this year, we're going to go to my brother's house and open presents over there. Yeah. Uh, they fix breakfast and everything. But, uh, you know, before that, we were just going to, you know, my you know, my parents' house and just having coffee and breakfast with them. And then everybody would come over. It's just families are so big now. Yeah. You know, all, all my siblings right. have kids. Right. Lots of kids. So, yeah. very, very big family. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Do you have any, like, particularly memorable... Yeah, uh, so, um, 
one thing I forgot to mention, I'll, I'll say this real quick too, is um, when I was younger, when I lived in in Lamar, the town we're from, my grandma literal, literally lived right up the road from us. So we, we had our house, we had a gravel road, and it was her house. Uh-huh. So most Christmases, Christmas Eve, she would stay the night with us at our house. So I, I spent a lot of Christmases with her, which I miss her dearly. She's gone now. But that's... You know, that's another thing I was going to mention is we spent a lot of time with her. And then uh, since all my families lived in that town, and they, most of them still do, mm-hmm. Christmas was was a big day for us. It was like a long day when we lived there because we would have, we would go to my mom's side and I can't remember if, where we went for lunch, where we went for dinner, but we went to my mom's side and then we'd also go to my dad's side. And so it was really a full day. Whereas now, over the last 10 years since we moved, it's a more intimate experience, more of a fam, you know, just, just my intermediate family and, and just that. But And, and we, have, we still see our other families, but like mm-hmm. this last Saturday, we went to my mom's side, you know, and then like you said, families get bigger. It's a bigger thing as you get older. And then I think next Friday, we're going to do my dad's side of the family. So I thought I'd just mention that. But uh, yeah, I have, I have some memories when I was younger of, about like, uh, let's say, for instance, favorite gift, right? Yeah, I, I'm i interested in this. So, like, I have two particular Christmases, and we'll get into it because it kind of ties into what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, what, what like, Christmases... Because, you know, you've had some as a kid that are like, man, that was a yeah. killer Christmas. Uh, my... If I remember... And my, my memory is, like, not as good as it used to be. I used to have an awesome memory. It's still not... Terrible, but I, it, it's, it's cloudier. But I remember, m- like, my favorite gift, one of my favorite gifts as a kid was when I got a Nintendo 64. That was, oh, like, yeah. a really big day for me. I remember that. I'd wanted it all year, and I was like, I remember just, I bugged my parents probably Did crazy about wanting that. Just to get a time frame, was it, like, when it came out? It was. Well, so it was, like, 96? Yeah, around 96 to 97, so somewhere in that. We, it were, been we a, were, like, 12 or 13? Yeah, around that age, yeah. yeah. And so I got that. Uh, I remember um, I got it with, um, was Turok? Was that a 64 game? Yeah, Turok I got was it with one Turok. of the early yeah. ones. Yeah. I got it with that, and I also got the Madden 64. Those Was it just, okay, was it OG Madden 64 with the blue yes, cartridge? Yes, I believe so. Nice. So those were my, those were my initial games. Um, I remember I played the, just, I played Madden so much. Yeah. Um, Turok I played a lot, but I was awful. So, like, I could never... <laughs> It's weird because to think about now I get like so frustrated with games, but like I probably played that game so much and I probably could never get like past the first of the game because I was so bad. And that game was hard if I remember right. Yeah. Well, I think it was hard because of the graphics being not the best. Like there's weird platforming Mm -hmm. in that. Yeah. But I still liked, (laughs) like I remember just playing it and I I just was awful, but I'd never give up. Yeah. You loved it. (laughs) So Yeah. Uh, that was that. That's like one of my favorite things I got growing up. Um, I, I remember like also a little younger getting like a Nintendo for the first time, and I got like Tecmo Super Bowl. Oh, so you guys had an NES before, because I knew that you were Sega Genesis household. Right. Mm-hmm. So you had an NES when you were a little little yes. kid. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then later I got a Sega. Later got a Nintendo sixty four. That's kind of my my path. And then yeah, went up to a. I can't remember after that. Did you do a PlayStation or PlayStation 2? I did a PlayStation 2. Yeah. PlayStation 2, and, and I had 
So, uh, so you had a six that route, a Nintendo sixty four instead of a PlayStation, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then went to a yeah. PS two. What about you, man? I got two Christmases I want to talk about. This first one. So this probably was nineteen. I mean, yeah, nineteen eighty nine. And I too have a terrible memory. I only remember like movies and games and like thing like toys and things like that. I don't remember like people to people stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm really bad with that. I don't remember, like, half of our graduating class. But, um... And we didn't even graduate that many people. No, we had a small class. I just, <laughs> I don't remember people. They're not important to me. I, I guess it makes me terrible. But, uh, so it was when Batman came out, 1989. That was the biggest movie in the world. Do you, I don't know if you remember any of this. Do you remember any of the build for that movie? I don't. Because, you know, the thi- you know, we've talked about this before, I... I wasn't a big movie kid growing up. Now, yeah. I'm sure I saw like stuff on TV, but but I didn't see Batman until later in life. And another thing that was really big when we were growing up, and I don't know if your family did this much or whatnot, but Saturday morning cartoons and the action figures that went along with them. I definitely did Saturday morning cartoons. I was big on... I had a ton of G.I. Joes. Uh, G.I. Joes... That is the best thing from that time for parents because, as I recall, I think G.I. Joe's were like $3 for a figure. Yeah. So you could get your kid a figure and not break the bank. They Mm -hmm. always had like, do you remember those like plastic, like the big things that had all the accessories in there and you'd punch it out? Yeah. And then you had like a little card Mm -hmm. that would tell you what your G.I. Joe was. Yeah. So that's actually like a really cool thing. You get into those other Saturday morning cartoons like a Transformers. Right. Dude, if your kids are into Transformers, you know, you're an 80s parent, that sucks. Yeah. Like those Transformers were like, those had to be like 20 or 30 bucks just mm-hmm. for a normal Transformer, right? Yeah, definitely. Like in those more expensive ones, they, like that's freaking crazy. I was a He-Man kid, so like I was kind of in the middle range for like those toys. I I got a ton of GI Joes though. I love those things. Sure. Yeah, those are fun. I, my favorite. I don't know about you. <laughs> the one I I distinctly remember the most was I had Cobra Commander in his like snake form. Oh, from the movie. Yeah, and that was like my favorite toy. But That's... like me and my cousins, like me and uh, a couple of my cousins were really close, and we uh-huh. would like have GI Joe fights. We'd smash our fingers a lot too, which sucked. But like <laughs> we would each, you know, grab. A, get who we wanted to be and we would just did you get a lot of the vehicles i did have some vehicles yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. those and were always cool yeah so so we like to do that a lot as a kid uh that, I, that that's some fond memories my favorite gi joe is a non-big character mm-hmm. um it was it was this guy that looked like goose from top gun oh okay um he had like the pilot suit mm-hmm. and it was one of those gi joes that came with the the backpack with the you pull the zip cord oh yeah and the helicopter thing, he would take off in the air. Very nice. And that thing was awesome. Yeah, man. That's cool. Yeah. So, 1989, Christmas, Batman, biggest thing in the world. Um, I, like, that Christmas was all DC toys. So, during, like, that Batman hype, Toy Biz, I think it's Toy Biz were the company, they came out with a toy line of DC heroes. Now, for the Batman figures... Other than, like, the side characters, like Penguin and Robin and stuff, um, you know, those were kind of generic based off of mostly, I think, the TV show. But, um, you know, from the 60s with Adam West. But they would do Batman and Joker, and there was Bob, 
and those were from the 89 movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman had, like, the, is the Michael Keaton look. He had, like, the belt that would, like, it would stretch out. It had a rope on it. Yeah. So you could, like, make him go places. Right. Joker had a water container. You would hook to him, and he would spray water. Bob had, like, a kicky thing. But I also got, like, Superman. He came with, like, a, a kryptonite ring that nice. was a magnet. So it, like, pushed him away. Um, Lex Luthor, I don't think he came with anything. That was kind of a boring figure. Sure. Um, Robin had a karate chop. The penguin had an umbrella that would shoot. Oh, yeah. And um, I had the Riddler, and he just came with a piece of paper. I think there was a joke on it. That's kind of a silly toy. Nice. But, like, I had all these DC toys. Um, like, I'm, I remember Christmas Eve, like, I, I got to open these figures. So I had, like, a bunch of these figures. And it's like, oh, that's cool. So then... You know, you wake up the next morning. I have a bat cave. Santa brought me a bat cave. I know. So the bat cave, it was a mix between the 60s series and the, like, the 89 movie. So it had, like, images on the bat computer Mm -hmm. from, like, the movie. But then it had, like, it it was, like, a bright gray. Um, They made, like, two different versions of it. Um, I had, like, the oldest one. It had, like, a boulder that would come down, and there was a well, and it's like, oh, man, this is awesome. But then, even better, so my parents, like, one of the biggest they got me, and for, they'll tell this story still to this day about how hard it was to obtain this item. Mm-hmm. Um, I received the 1989 Batmobile that oh. went with those figures. It had, the like, the plastic case yeah. that would go over it to protect it. It had the missiles that would shoot out. And that thing was so freaking cool. And I think I still have it in a box somewhere in this house. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's a good gift. Yeah. So, any any other Christmases before I, I talk about the next one? No, uh, that's... I think I'm... You know, I have I have fond memories like I of Christmas for the most part. Um, we'll get to something next, I'm sure. But uh, I, I enjoyed Christmas as a kid. Um, like I said... Do you want to talk about the next thing? Because I'm just curious about it. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, so you got in trouble for Christmas. Yeah, so you were talking about bad memories as, yeah. as a kid. I've got I've got two that I that I remember. Two? Two. I now, only know about one. Now one is a bad thing that happened to uh-huh. me. The other was just a gift I didn't like. <laughs> let's get into both. Okay. So first, let's talk about the gift I didn't like, okay? Okay. This is kind of a weird thing, random thing. But when I was, this was when I would have been in high school, actually. Do you, um, so I don't know anybody out there remember the band DC Talk? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Jesus Freak, right? So that was, it was when that album came out, right? It was a big thing. Like, like late 90s? Yeah, late 90s. So maybe I was in middle school. Whenever that album. I think we were in middle school. Okay, whenever that album came out. Because my older sister liked it. So I was like, I was like, yeah, I I loved DC Talk as a kid. Yeah. I had cassettes of like their. Their rap albums. Oh my gosh! Like I was, I I loved them as a kid. Uh huh. And so when this when their album Jesus Freak came out, I was like, I want this CD so bad. Yeah. And so I like let everybody know, let my parents know, let my relatives know. And I remember when Christmas came, I thought, man, I'm gonna get this CD. I know it. Yeah. We were at my my uh, dad or my mom's side family at my grandma and grandpa's house, and. I don't remember who gave it to me, but I saw a CD, like, package, and I was like, oh, this is it. I opened the CD up. Yeah. And they got me a DC Talk album, but it was a live album. Oh, no. And it had some of the songs from that album on it. 
But it wasn't. It's not what you the wanted. The Jesus Freak album. Yeah. It was just a live DC talk album, and like, I acted like I was happy. You know how you do when you're a kid. Like it's hard to like. You can tell probably people know that you're disappointed probably from the look on your face. Because kids are terrible. Right. Uh, but I, I tried my best to be like, oh, yeah. Cool. Right. <laughs> I mean, I did get to listen to DC Talk album, technically. Right. It just was not what I wanted. So, like, that was a bummer to me. I don't know why that stood out, but it did. That was a bad album. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's that. The other... The, <laughs> so the, the second memory I, I, I remember... And, I, and this one is not so, I I don't remember particulars about this, but I got in trouble one Christmas. <laughs> and I, I would have been, again, this is probably late middle school. Do you know what you did? I don't. Uh, well, I do, but I don't. So, <laughs> you know, my, I, I would, you know, me and my sisters, when we got in trouble, we would get spanked, which that's not a bad, it's just. Something that our generation, you know, you grew up with. It, yeah. Nothing my parents did wrong. That's that's how we were raised, and that's fine. Like, I have no issues with it. Sure. I I did something. because So earlier I said I, I remember our house and then my grandma's house. We had a road in between. And I remember me and my sisters, I, I very much so remember that we were walking from our house to my grandma's house. And we were walking down that road. And I either, and I don't know why... I either said something or I did something and I made my one of my sisters cry. Like, I made them upset. I don't remember what you I did. You don't remember who? No, I don't remember which one. Okay. I don't remember what I did, but I made them upset. Uh-huh. They ran from that spot back to our house and told my dad. Uh-huh. And I remember getting spanked on Christmas Day. It has to be an awful thing, though. Like, you had to have done something awful to I get would, spanked. I would think so. And, like, I I did. All siblings do dumb things to their other siblings growing right. up. Right. Like, I remember pestering my sisters very much. They pestered me. Sure. That, But, and I used, you know, I would call them names. I would, you know, pick on them. Because I was the oldest. Uh-huh. I mean, I just, I don't remember what I did. But it was something dumb and ridiculous. And I got spanked on Christmas Day. That's really funny. So did you use a board or his hand? It was a board. We had a board that um, that was that was known as the board. You don't want that. Did it have uh, holes drilled into it? No, but it was like kind of bumpy. It you know. Yeah. Nothing that would cause injury. Just you know, just didn't feel great. It's not right. like you wanted that to happen. Like it gave you a reason not to mess up. But I messed up that day. And it's I, probably honest, more of the thought of it more than, like, the actual right. pain. Right, uh-huh, exactly. It's like, you're in trouble. That's yeah. worse than mm-hmm. getting smacked. Yeah, exactly. And I, I just, I wish I, I knew, I wish I remembered what I did. I yeah. probably deserved it, knowing me. Probably. But I, I just don't remember what I did. But it, it was a, I'm sure I recovered, like, I had a fine Christmas the rest of the day. I'm sure. But that, like, hour, probably, I was just like, man, this sucks. Yeah. It was a bad time. It's really funny. It is funny. <laughs> what about you, If man? you brought it up to your dad, would he know what you did? He, I just I just showed him this podcast. So he's, pro- he'll, he's probably going to listen to... I'm sure he's going to listen to some of our shows. Oh, man. So I hope he's if not he upset listens, that I curse. If he listens... Uh, I gave him a heads up. It's okay. okay. I, if he listens to this and he asks, I'll, I'll ask him if he can remember what I did. All right. That's really good. <laughs> uh <laughs> So, um, I had a Christmas that, man, it probably was 90, 92 or 93. 
probably 93. So when I was a kid, I had surgery real early on. It was really bad, and I yeah. had to go away for a couple weeks. And I was, like, in the Shriner Hospital, and they had a Super Nintendo when those first came out. That was, like, what, 91, probably? Yeah, early 90s, for sure. And they had, like, uh, like Super Mario World and Star Fox and stuff for, like, all the, you know, kids to play and stuff. So I thought that was, like, the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. So, fast forward to this Christmas. This also has to do with, you know, what we're going to talk about today. Opening gifts. And I open a box that has, I don't know if your family is big on this, um, the magazines that you would get in the mail, like they would be big freaking books, like the toy book. Oh, yeah. Like Sears. I remember the JCPenney ones Penny. Very, very much so, yeah. Mm-hmm. You could look through them. Yeah. Like toy department, clothes department, had all, yeah, all that. Yeah, so it was one of those, but it was a picture of a Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was. And I was just like... It was the picture. It was a picture. Oh, wow. Okay. I was like, I'm so confused. What is happening? Yeah. But then they, like, pull out from behind the couch. Oh. It was a Super Nintendo. Oh, wow. It had Mario All-Stars. Dang. Super Mario World. Okay. And then one of my gifts that I got to open after that was the cartridge for Batman Returns. Wow. It was the tie-in to the movie. And, man, I played that thing so freaking much. I, that Super Nintendo, man, I still have it. It's sitting right in front of us. I still have that game. The I have OG. all those games. And, dude, Super Nintendo is one of the best consoles ever made, in my opinion. Nice. And this Batman Returns game, it was like Final Fight or Streets of Rage. I don't know if you played any of those games. I did not. I didn't. I never had a Super Nintendo. Well, Streets of Rage is a Sega game. It's, okay. Uh, you know the Sega, games where no. like you would go and you would you would punch people mm-hmm. and pick up items and then yeah. you you know that's the stage. Right. It was like that. Okay. So it was a really good version of that type of game. As far as like a movie tie-in goes, and that's the thing that like we don't get now. We don't get movie tie-ins. Right. Um cuz during like the PlayStation 2 era, those games sucked really bad. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I don't know if you played any of those. I did not. I always stayed away because I figured they sucked. But NES, Super NES, Sega, like, mm-hmm. half the games were movie tie-ins. Every big movie had a game, yeah. which was kind of cool. Anyways, so, yeah, I played the shit out of this game, man. I loved it. And it's a good representation of the movie. You know, you get the movie soundtrack. It goes through the story of the movie. And it's a very solid game. I recently, just to compare and contrast... I played through the Super NES one again. I played through the NES one and the Sega Genesis one. The NES one is okay. Um, did you ever play Turtles for Nintendo? Yeah. Yep. Those are fun. Yeah. So it's like that type of game. Okay. It, it doesn't use any of the music from the movie. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's all right. It's like it's trying to be the Super Nintendo game, but it's not quite there. The Genesis game. And this is the thing we also don't get, you know, these days. So now... If you get a game on Xbox One or PS4 or Switch or whatever, it, it's going to be the same no mm-hmm. matter where you play it. It's yeah. just, it's the same game. That's it. Okay. Back in the day, you know, you get Batman Returns, you're going to get like four or five different versions of that game for different systems. And that's kind of cool to think about. So if you had a Sega Genesis, you are not playing the Super Nintendo style game. That game is a weird platformer where gargoyles come to life oh, man. and swoop down and attack you. 
and you have a utility belt, and it's a garbage game. It's very bad. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Anyways, that's uh, that's another monumental Christmas for you and Stacy. Okay. Yeah, Super Nintendo. Um, but Batman Returns. Yeah. You want to get into it? That's what we're talking about today. One of the great Christmas films. Yeah, let's do it. This movie is one of the biggest movies when it came out. Do you it's th- been around a long time. If you, you haven't think watched haven't Batman Returns by now, I mean, get with the program. Yeah. If you haven't watched Batman Returns, go watch it and then come back, I guess. Okay, let's do it that way. That works for me. Yeah, because it's a great movie. Or, it's a good movie. All right. So, Stacy, this was your topic this yeah. week. Uh, so, start us off. Um, what What are your initial thoughts well, on Batman Returns? Tell us um, a little bit of the backstory. What do you got going? So, Batman Returns is the 1992 sequel to the uh, Batman film from Tim Burton. Tim Burton also directs this. Uh, the original film is from 89. Uh, you have Michael Keaton returning, Michael Gambon, uh, who plays Alfred, and uh, uh, Pat Hingle, who plays uh, Commissioner Gordon. They all return. Uh, you also have the addition of Danny DeVito as the Penguin, um, Oswald Cobblepot, and Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. And you have this great villain, uh, Max Shrek, played by Christopher Walken. Um, I really like this movie. It's it is not as tight as the 89 film. I think the 89 film is close to perfection. Like that movie, it, it, it hit at the right time. And it, it's just like a pop culture phenomenon. Um, and it's so good in the third act of that film. It's like so well paced. Um, this film, I think it's more ambitious than that. But I don't think it succeeds on every level that the 89 film did. I, I think this movie does have some pacing issues, but I love how weird it is, and I love I love the design. Like, the art, man, mm-hmm. it's so good. The art deco gothic look. The only other movie I think that looks like this is, you know, the first movie. Yeah. Like, no, boom, movies don't look like this. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, what do you think of this film? Okay, so I like this movie, first and foremost. Um you weren't very excited to watch this, were you? I wasn't. So, like, I have a weird relationship with Tim Burton. Like, his early movies, I think, are good. But, like, a part of me was like, you're you're done with Tim Burton. You don't need, you don't, you don't need to watch him. Like, I mean, I was going to watch it for our podcast, but sure. I wasn't, like, excited about it. Because I just, I don't know. His later films have put such a bad taste in my mouth. They're not exciting. I for I, I think I've forgotten how decent some of his early films are. So, like, I was not excited about this. First, let me say, I haven't watched Batman 89. That's the year it came out. Correct. I haven't watched that in a long time. I've seen it. I've seen it before. I've seen it a couple times, but I don't remember it very well. It's been a long time since I watched it. I won't have much to bring to that table, but I will say on Batman Returns, I enjoyed this movie. Like... I think the art direction is insane. Like, it's so good. I was blown away, in fact, by it. (laughs) Um, I gave, you know, there are issues for me with this movie, but I liked it overall. Uh, Just initial thoughts, like, the first, like, third of this movie is, like, I was really excited watching it. We've talked about this before, when you get an excited feeling watching something. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I was going, like, I I was really excited the first part of this movie. You know, the second part of the movie I still liked, but, like, it, it kind of dwindled a little bit. I think it drags a bit too long. It's over two hours. So, like, I felt a little bit of length at certain times. And, like, the first part, there's this this action scene where Penguin brings in all his henchmen. And it's, I just call it, like, pure chaos. 
And you knowing me, earlier this year I watched Gremlins 2. I was in love with that movie. And like that craziness and that first part there, like gave me that feeling of just like pure chaos. And I loved it. I never felt quite that same the rest of the film. Doesn't mean I just didn't like the film. I still like the film, but it didn't quite have the same effect the rest of the movie. That said, I liked the movie and it was really fun. Yeah, it man, it's a solid film. I, uh, well, do you just want to get into it? Let's do it. All right. So the film, it, it starts off with, um, you get this beautiful music score, which, by the way, I think the score in this film is excellent. It's Danny Elfman. Obviously, the Batman theme is one of the most well-known movie themes ever, and it's really good. But I also love the theme songs for the other characters, Penguin and Catwoman. Yeah, we don't have to talk about this right now, but if you remind me, I want to have a little bit of discussion on score at some point. Okay. Because, like, score is a big part of this, but I have conflicting feelings about score. Do film. you want to just talk about it now let's, since you brought it up? Let's get it out of the way. Yeah, sure. what, what, okay. <laughs> so, a score, when I think of Burton, I think of Elfman. Uh-huh. Correct? Do you feel the same way? Yes, but I feel like these Batman movies are different than his other scores. And that's what I want to kind of get into real quick. So, I don't know if you've noticed this about me. I've noticed, I was thinking about this while watching this movie in like the past couple days. You're big on score. Yeah. I've thought about it. When you talk to me, I don't feel like I mention score very much. Like, <laughs> I was thinking, you know, last week, or, or last episode, we talked about They Live By Night, and I remember you mentioned the score. I was thinking about it. The score didn't, I didn't even think about it. And I don't know why. And I, and, I, and to think about things, I remember when I was in film school, and I, for some reason, this is something that just stuck with me. Dr. White, one of our professors, was like, if you notice the score, it's not a good thing. And here's the thing. I don't agree with him. I don't agree with that. But, like, it also, it's something that's always stuck with me and not even knowing it. But, like, I do, there are scores I notice and then there's scores I don't. And I don't know what that means exactly. But I think it's a, a an interesting thing to think about. Because there's no doubt that the score is part of the film, Right. Yeah, it it is a part of the film. That that whole thing I disagree with because just take Jaws for example. Everybody knows the Jaws theme. It's a motif. Yes. If you don't have that music there, the movie is not as impactful as it, as, as it is. Mm -hmm. There are several movies like that. You know, Star Wars probably sucks without the score. Sure. Sure. And that's that was my question about this like these early Burton films. Would they be the same without Elfman's score? No. But here's the deal. I think that the music for Batman is so iconic. The... Like, everybody knows that. Sure. And here's the thing. We've got a new Batman film coming from Matt Reeves, right? Right. Sometime, some, you know, where, whenever. If they drop a trailer and that original Elfman Batman theme is playing everybody is going to have, they're going to freak out. Mm -hmm. Like that sure. song is so iconic right. that, you know, if they use that for a Batman movie now, people would lose their freaking minds. Sure. Oh yeah. I, I just had a, I just wanted to think about this a little bit because this is kind of just workshopping it out a little yeah. bit. But do like, you like the score for this? I do. I do like the score at this. My main question was, and I'm not, I'm not trying to rip Burton here. I'm just uh -huh. curious. Like, 
what what does that say about a filmmaker? Can could he have still made a good movie without Elfman score? I think so because the visuals are so good. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you got to think about other iconic movie scores. You know, right. like you you recognize like Raiders of the Lost Ark from Spielberg. Sure. Like that's just mm -hmm. a phenomenal film. Right. The fact that John Williams' music is so good and iconic just adds on to that. Right. Um, Star Wars, you know, Star Wars, phenomenal mm -hmm. music, but would it be a good movie without it? No, that's fair. You know. Well, and I think, I, while I was going through this in my mind, I, I tried to think about things that, that I correspond with with score. Like I said earlier, I don't know what it is. I don't, and you know that I like music. Sometimes I don't notice a score. Sometimes I do. But I was thinking about things in the positive end. When I see an Argento film, when I watch Suspiria, the score, I, I remember that, that score. That makes the movie. Like when I think about Deep Red, yeah, that's like a big thing. And I love these scores. And then there's other movies I love where I don't know the score. I mean, a Carpenter film, like... Carpenter, exactly. You, you can't you think watch about a Carpenter something film like without Halloween. the music. Yeah. You think about the thing. So I think... And I'm again, I just want to have a discussion because I don't actually feel like one way or another. I'm just interested in the topic because I've heard it both ways. And I just kind of, this like the score is a big part of this movie. And I just wanted to get some overall thoughts. Do you on think that. that maybe the difference is that I'm looking for things like that and you're just watching the movie? That's, that's fair. But I mean, yeah, I mean. Like, and I'm not saying that like one way or the other, right. like one's right or wrong. Sure. It's just like, I have an appreciation right. for like, for a good musical like, score. So, like, They Live By Night, for example, mm -hmm. like, I wasn't as taken by that film. Right. But, like, I noticed as soon as that movie started, that bombastic mm -hmm. score, it was just like, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, maybe, that I don't know. Maybe it's just something that, like, yeah. I notice when I watch right. movies. But I, I love it. Yeah. And, again, I want to express I'm not, like, saying it's bad one or another. No. I because mean, there are people that actually, I mean, they... There are people that look at score like that's that's what they do. You know, like there's nothing wrong with it. I just I think it's a an interesting thing when looking at a filmmaker's. I, I think if you work. make the argument that like if you notice a score, then the movie's not very good. It's like you either. So like you just watch silent movies or George Miller films. Sure. Because like I would say like he's the best right now in, you know, the past 30 years of making movies that don't need scores. Like, you could watch Fury Road completely silent, understand what that, you know, is going on yeah. in the film, yeah. and enjoy it. Yeah. Now, I think the score in that film is phenomenal. Sure. But, uh... Yeah. And, <laughs> listen, the truth is, is I like, I can think of movies I've loved over the last few years that the score is a big part for me. I think it's something like Carol and Carter... Burwell's score like I love that a lot of Cohen's films they use Carter Burwell I think of those scores oh, like, like Assassination of Jesse James sure. you know some of those uh, yeah so again I, I and, and again like this film you don't the score is something you don't forget well the score for this film it's like each character has their own musical piece mm -hmm. do you like that like each character scored a different way yeah I dig it it's a part of this movie. And that's why I asked you, I think it's interesting because if you took this music out, like I'm not saying it's, it's, it's still an impressive movie, but like, it's a part of the movie mm -hmm. for me. And I don't know how I would take this film without it, to be honest. Like it, it's, it's strange. That's why I just kind of wanted to talk about that for a second. I just think it's an interesting subject 
that mm-hmm. doesn't get talked about very often. And I thought it it has a big impact on this movie. And it's yeah, directed. for sure. Um, speaking about that intro, so you get the like cameo from like Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's awesome. What do you think about the intro here? The introduction of the penguin with that that beautiful musical score, yeah. and it kind of cuts into the Batman theme once you get to the uh, you know the bat signal with the yeah. So we we start this movie, and and really this is kind of Penguin's movie and Catwoman's movie. One thing I noticed about this movie. Batman is not a big part. It's yeah. weird. Like, <laughs> do we need Batman? I don't know. Like, I understand that it's a quote-unquote Batman movie, mm-hmm. but we don't really need Batman in this movie. Almost. Well, he's the catalyst for what he's makes the catalyst. Right. Like, he, he's connected to all these characters. His his he 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 basically. I don't know if he has a story other than like he can connect with Penguin because they're both orphans. I guess. Right, and, and he connects with Catwoman because he has love interest in her. But like, I feel like this is more of a of Penguin's and Catwoman's story than it is Batman's. So <laughs> we'll get into this. Okay. Um, well, so talking like, about the intro of the film, you said you really like the chaos of the yeah. Intro. So we open up like you said. Uh, the film opens with with Penguin as a baby, and his his parents see that something's not right with him. Yeah, he's eating cats in a cage. Did you um, like that? I did. Yeah. <laughs> so we get we get his parents throwing him, you know, off a bridge, and he goes down into a sewer, and we see him. You get the credit sequence overlaid from right. like the crib mm-hmm. going down. Yeah. Uh, it has a very like biblical, you know, Moses going right. down the river. Yeah, sort and he of is look. he is uh, taken in by penguins and uh, that sort of thing. So yeah, the 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 first of this movie is great. When we first look at Gotham City, we've got the snow going on. Dude, what do you um, think of Gotham Square with those two statues of the men? It's great. Very good tree stuff. Center. Yeah. All that symmetry. It's really good. The first shot we get of Gotham City, like a snow globe, basically. Yeah. Right? It's this great, great, um, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Symmetry, and it's, it's great composition. It's really good stuff. Um, so the main thing I wrote, <laughs> when we get to... We, we meet Christopher Walken's character. Max um, Shrek. Yep, we see him, that he's uh, running. Is it for governor? No, no, no. Um, okay, so he wants to build a power plant Okay. that sucks energy up. Right. So it's a scheme to, like, hoard the energy. Now, nobody wants to vote for it because Gotham has an energy surplus. It's, it's basically presented that Gotham's, like, New York City. Mm-hmm. So he's having trouble getting this plant built. Um, I have a note here. His son looks like a mix between Eric Trump and Don Jr. <laughs> Did you he notice does. that? There's he's a... like a muscular version <laughs> yeah, of the does. Trump kids. I, was, I watched this with our friend Kendra, and uh, she was mentioning Trump a lot during this film. And I, I think it's a good point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this movie is probably like 20, 30 years yeah. ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of uh, political uh, intrigue, a lot of scandal going on uh-huh. in politics. So this opening scene, we 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 get introduced to Penguin and his minions uh-huh. here. So during this rally, the Red Triangle Gang. Yeah, that's what they're called. They, and we're led to believe from the newspaper clips, yeah. that they've been terrorizing Gotham for a little while. Yeah. So we get this raid almost right, and and all of his minions come out. There's it reminds me a little bit of like some of the art design from 
um, Nightmare Before Christmas a uh-huh. little bit. We get guys with these big skeleton heads, like fake yeah, heads on, on the motorcycles. Masks. Yeah. And I just like, man, I was so pumped on this scene. Like, it, it just gave me that Gremlins 2 feel, like just pure chaos. Yeah. And just, it, it has all these cross-editing shots of people just on motorcycles taking out people, people getting captured, getting thrown, fire getting thrown. Uh, Max himself gets captured. It's just, it's insane. It's insanity. Um, So we get to this stuff. Max is giving a speech for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, to introduce the lighting of the tree. Yeah. Uh, it's very, like, Rockefeller Center, yep. you know, ceremony. And this great snow just falling down. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. beautiful. It is. And uh, the, the Blu-ray looks great, by the way. Yeah. Oh, it's a great transfer. Good stuff. So we get this cut. Um, once the bat signal goes up, you see Bruce, and it's these beautiful, like, shots of the bat signal. It, it's mirroring into his mansion mm-hmm. off of... Um, you know, all of these, yep. uh, you know, glass panes that are through his mansion. And the cool thing about this shot is, and I think it tells so much story in so little time, Bruce is just sitting in his study in the dark by himself, just waiting for that signal to go off. Yeah. And I'm under the impression that that is his life. Like, right. he doesn't have a social life. He's a crazy person who's only obsessed with the mission and once he sees that light on, that's like, okay, now I can be who I am. Mm-hmm. Like, and then he becomes Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Good like, stuff. Uh, did you like all that, that I setup? I like the setup. Um, yeah. It, you couldn't have said it better. Great job. I, I, like I also think an interesting thing in this movie, and it happens multiple times, anytime the Red Triangle Gang shows up, have you noticed that they actually don't, kill people no. they just terrorize that's right like they're doing things no. like yeah. and chasing people and like they threaten right. bad things but yeah. they never do bad yeah. they just i mean at most what they do is i mean they tear up buildings they tear up buildings they tear up glass yeah stuff like that but yeah but you batman, never actually see a person die from the red triangle gang mm-hmm. batman comes in and he starts ruthlessly killing these guys. I wrote that down because I'm like... It's really funny thought, and weird. I thought Batman was like this character who's against that stuff. I know. And I saw that happen. I was like, what is going on? I like it. Because <laughs> they're not doing any... Like, they're being assholes. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Yeah. And he's killing them. Yeah, just taking them out. It's really funny. Uh, uh, uh. And yeah. it's not Batman at all. Like, that's a... Here's the thing. Like, if you are a hardcore Batman comic fan... Like, I, I love Batman comics. It's my favorite, you know, mm-hmm. favorite comic, best written stories. But you just have to separate it. Like, this is Tim Burton's interpretation of Batman. Mm-hmm. So you can't be pissed off about Batman killing people. Sure. Like, if you if that's how you yeah. are, then this movie's not for you. And I will agree. It didn't bother me. It's just not where you're used to seeing I know it's the weird. Nolan films. Yeah. Around, right? Because the Nolan films are very big from mm-hmm. the first one on of, like, Batman doesn't kill people. Right. And that's probably a better interpretation of the comic book character. But this is just fun, yeah. fun pulp goodness. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah, he's killing people. It's really good. Um... Let's see, I've got a, uh, the sets are massive and beautiful. Uh, you talked about Max being kidnapped. Mm-hmm. So Max is basically the villain of the film. Yeah, um, even more so than Penguin or Catwoman. Yes, because he is, 
he's like the gross, you know, million billionaire right. who is trying to subvert democracy right. you know, to get what he wants. Yeah. For me, like, during this film, like, I felt somewhat sympathetic for both Penguin and Catwoman's characters. Right. I felt nothing for Christopher Walken's character. Right. Except, like... Rage. I guess. What do you think of his hair and eyebrows? Oh, they're great. Walken's great in this. You movie, loved by him the way. in this movie. I his do. acting's really he's, good. He's so good. Like, man, I love trying to do the Walken voice. I'm not great at it, but like, man, full on Walken here. He's so good in this he's, movie. He's really good. Yeah, it, he's a great foil for everyone. Like he, he's the antagonist for our three main characters because you know with Batman, he is like the opposite side of a coin because you know Bruce Wayne's rich. But, like, he's always trying to do the right thing while Max Shrek is trying to do the thing that, you know, gains himself. Yeah. Um, you know, for Catwoman, obviously, like, that's the biggest threat in the movie, I think. Yeah. Is what he does to Selena Kyle. He, um, we'll get into this a little later, but she finds out corporate secrets and he right. kills her for it. Yeah. Or so we're led to believe. And while you're talking, like, Michelle Pfeiffer, by the way, is great in this movie as well. Like... There's not bad acting in this Danny movie. Danny DeVito's really good, uh -huh. too. Like, but, like, man, I was so impressed with Michelle Pfeiffer in this. Like, you forget how good an actress she is. Because, you know, we see her sometimes. Like, in Mother last year, she was really good. Oh, but yeah. we don't see her that often anymore. And you just sometimes, for me anyway, I forget how good a yeah, performer man. she is. And she's so good in this movie. But, oh, I agree. And then we get his relationship with the Penguin, which it's very... The Penguin thinks he's using Max... But it turns the other way around. Max is using the Penguin because right. he wants the Penguin to be elected so he can pass this power plan. Right. And one thing, this is a ridiculous thing real quick, but, like, when we first see Penguin, his makeup and outfit, like, all I put was hell of a nose. Yeah. So, <laughs> if you want to get into it, uh, Stan Winston did the effects yeah. for this film. I am of the mind that Stan Winston might be the greatest effects person to have ever lived. He's great. Yeah. Um. Not only is he great, like for makeup, but like man, his effects work just all around. I uh, maybe we'll get around to talking about this at some point, but I think the Alien Queen from Aliens is the greatest special effect ever committed to screen. Um. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, you're not gonna hear an argument from me. So yeah, Stan Winston's awesome. His makeup design for this movie is great. Danny DeVito looks awesome. Michelle Pfeiffer looks great. Yeah. Um. She's got like this sexy dead zombie yeah. thing going on. Yep. It's great. She's she is top form. And, um <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Um so let's just get into um what goes on from there. Uh the penguin blackmails Shrek into because he has like all of his secrets. Yeah. Cause they get dumped in the waste and penguins, you know, living in yep. the heap of junk. And Shrek's like, okay, I'm going to help you out. We're going to present you as the golden child of Gotham. Mm -hmm. But, like, Shrek has these plans for, like, what his power plant is. Selena finds him for a speech that he's preparing. Yeah. He pushes her out a window. That seems so good. Yeah. Let me say something real quick um, yeah. about Selena Kyle. Um, we, meet her, we meet her early on, and, you know, you can tell she's probably on the verge of getting fired. She's doing a lot of things that... She's really nervous, very excited. Mousy. Like, mousy girl. Yes, um, woman, I'm sorry. Early in the movie, we, we get to see her apartment. And I, this is one of... <laughs> what I, I love a lot about this movie. This is one of my favorite, like, 
art designs in the film is we get into her apartment and she has this neon sign in her room that yeah. says hello there <laughs> in neon pink. And I just wrote it rules so hard. I know. Her apartment's so good. Yeah. So and the best scene in the movie yeah. might happen there. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, I just want to point that out and go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. So Max kills Selena. So we think uh, he pushes her out a window. What do you think of that exchange? Like, walking being walking like i love that where he's you know she's like you just can't kill me and he's like, he's like ah, <laughs> yeah and acting like it's a joke and then just freaking yeah, shoves like, her out the window no you're right yeah and then he walks back and boom yeah and she's like so unexpected i know it's awesome yeah and, and then you get the cats coming in and yeah. looking her they yeah. kind of here's the cool thing that i like that they did with catwoman they make it seem like a big mythological thing but she's treated very real. Yeah. If that makes sense. So the cats and stuff coming up and like licking her and stuff. But she could, in movie logic, survive that fall because they show her falling through sure. all the coverings right. over the windows. Right. They kind of break her fall. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. And I think what you said all makes sense about her theoretically, she could have not died, right? Right. And so we get the scene with the cats. You know, we get that because earlier we see in her apartment how much she likes cats, yeah. what they mean to her. It plays a lot on, like, associating characters with animals. Right. Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. You know, and I think the advertising for this movie was the bat, the cat, and the bird. Yes. So, after this happens, yeah, we see her go back to her apartment. This scene's awesome. Do you think... Okay, when I was talking about best scene of the movie, yeah. I think this might be it. Yeah. So... She goes back there, and she kind of loses it. She's, I wrote down, like, she guzzles milk out of a carton. <laughs> I know. And that's such a weird, off-putting thing to me, seeing... Because she's bleeding. So it's like blood and milk combined. It's just really gross to me. Yeah. So, like, her apartment, her apartment before is, like, kind of cutesy-looking. And she kind of destroys it. And just basically pink is out. Black is in. Yeah, and that Danny Elfman score during that is so good. Yeah. Like, building up her theme. Oh, my favorite is when she listens to the answering machine, and right after, she screams and throws the milk across the room. Yeah, good like, stuff. Like, that's... Oh, so good. The yeah. acting is great. Yes. So, she, you know, she goes, like, into her room. Um, like, she starts making herself an outfit. Um, black leather. Um, she looks great in it. She's feeling good. Um, then we get this scene where earlier I talked about what it says in a room. Hello there. Well, now a couple letters are gone and now it says hell there. Yeah. So we know she means business now. Yeah, it's really cool. It's a Other than the opening, that's my other like, that's one of my standout scenes. Like you I'm said, so in that movie. it's really great stuff. So we get... Um... After this great scene, the penguin is presented as a hero. We get, and I believe, and I'm not sure, but I swear I saw it in the credits, Doug Jones, who played um, the Finn Man, or the Gill Man in Shape of Water, but also Abe Sabian in uh, the Hellboy films. Right. Uh, he's a frequent collaborator with Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. I think he plays the Finn Clown. So they have a press conference with the mayor talking about the Red Triangle gang and how they're going to stop them and stuff. And this thin clown comes out and steals the mayor's baby. And he goes down into the sewers and you get this wonderful exchange of, oh no, 
don't kill me, bird person. Here, have the baby and yeah. stuff. And the penguin rises out like the phoenix yep. and presents the baby to the mayor. And that's when you start building this campaign of the penguin being like this lost, forgotten son of Gotham who's like actually a hero. Yeah. And Max is like really selling to the crowd that this is what's going on and that the mayor of Gotham is doing a bad job because he cannot protect his citizens from this gang. Yeah. And I have this thing, and I think it's a nice, like, a Christmas motif. Part of the thing is Penguin wants to find out who he is. Right. So he goes to the book, or to the uh, Hall of Records, like, public library or whatever. Yep. And he starts, the story is he's trying to find out who he is. But you see him with all these books making a list of all the firstborn kids in Gotham. And I just have... Penguin as Santa making a list. That's right. <laughs> That's um, good. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting. And by this time, Bruce is very suspicious of Penguin. So you get like a nice scene of him driving by and seeing him in the Hall of Records, kind of wondering what he's up to. It cuts to Penguin going to his parents' grave. I like this scene a lot. The music's really good. And I love, like, everything's, I don't know if you recall, but everything's very symmetrical. Oh, very and centered. Yeah. And... He lays the flowers down in his parents' grave, makes a big scene of it, and (laughs) I don't know if you remember this line, but it made me laugh. I was number one, son, but treated like number two. I had it wrote down in my notes. Yes! Great, great quote. (laughs) One of my favorite quotes ever. Talked about I drank a little bit while watching this movie. Uh I laughed so hard, and I was like, please pause that movie. This movie, I need to write that down. So you were drinking a lot while watching this film. Yep. What did you think of the Penguin's dialogue in general? Oh, I loved it. How is this movie PG-13? Yeah. (laughs) It should be R-rated, right? If this movie came out today, would it be rated R? Probably so. The dialogue. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a part where he meets Catwoman, and doesn't he straight up say, oh, there's my pussy? Yep. He doesn't say pussy cat. Nope. He says, there's There's my my pussy. Yes, he does. That's correct. Yeah. We get to see kind of Catwoman for the first time as Catwoman, right? Yeah, so they do this thing where the Penguin and Max have this plan to set the city ablaze because this is going to make the mayor look bad. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that's the scene where you get Catwoman's like introduction into the action. And one thing I wrote about her, this I, I thought this was a fun little quote. The Like one of the first things we hear her say is always waiting for some Batman to save you. I am Catwoman. Hear me roar. Yeah, so when this guy tries to rape this girl, she comes in and kicks the crap out of him. Yeah. And that's where that comes into play. Yeah, and I wrote down, like, next, I wrote down, like, a powerful display of Selena Kyle in front of Bruce Wayne and Christopher Walken's, like, uh-huh. his character. What's his character? Max Shrek. Max Shrek, thank you. I just wrote down Walken because... <laughs> Can remember his name. That's fair. <laughs> it's an easy to remember name. Max Shrek. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, do you have anything more to say about this? As far as like girl power? Yes. I think that this movie is probably 20, 30 years ahead of its time. It's If this movie was released today, it would be, I think, evaluated as a Me Too film. Because if you think about it, you could substitute the abuse that she receives from Max as like a sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And the way, like, she deals with it, like, she is not 
a victim anymore yeah. and she vilifies victims can we, because she she's taking the power back yeah can we just say like f wonder woman and praise selena kyle i um i'm a big proponent of um ladies in film being wonderful before wonder woman and there are female directors that have done wonderful work before patty jenkins maybe that's controversial to say now in these days but I think it's really ridiculous that the narrative around Wonder Woman was finally we get a woman that kicks ass. Right. And, because and Selena just, she's so good in this movie. She is very good in this movie. She is, I'm just going to go ahead, I know we're, I'm just going to go ahead and say she's my favorite character in this movie. I agree. Like, I get behind her Her storyline is the only storyline in this film that's actually thought out yeah. and like fully fleshed out. Yeah. The other stories are very like, abbreviated and sure. cut short. Sure. Her thread is... You could definitely tell her thread is where the interest is. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah. She's a, a major player and a great great character in this Which, film. I have a note, and I know we're going to disagree about this stuff. We do agree about not enough Batman. Sure. Right? So, and I know you don't remember this, but Michael Keaton was actually a bigger part in the 1989 mm -hmm. film. I figured I as much. A lot of people criticize those films because they're more about the villains than the hero, but his character arc in the 89 film is actually really good, and he's very good in the movie. This film, he doesn't have much to do. If you actually look at the runtime of the film, you don't get Batman's second appearance until almost 40 minutes into the movie. And I kept, you know, I watched this with my friend Kendra, our friend Kendra, and <clears throat> I remember us both saying a lot while watching this, like, where is Batman? And again, I know we're going to, you're going to give some, some thoughts and opinions on this, but like, I, I had a hard time with that because this is a Batman movie. Like, where's he at? What's, why, what, yeah. what's his importance in this role? See, and here's the thing I disagree about with you. I think the movie needs to be longer Okay. Because I feel like it's too abbreviated. It feels like the movie's too ambitious for its runtime. Okay. Does that make sense? That's fair, man. Like, I, I feel... And maybe that is problematic in that he's trying to tell too many stories mm -hmm. at once, and we really only get one story that's, like, fulfilling. Yeah. Because I feel like the Penguin story trails off, mm -hmm. and I feel like Shrek's, while he's a wonderful villain... Like, it's never fully fleshed out how it I, should be. I could always want more Penguin in this movie. Like, I like his character. Yeah. I want more Penguin, more Catwoman, please. Yeah. So, so we get this wonderful standoff where she goes into the Shrek department store and completely destroys it. Some of that stuff's a little silly, but it's, it's good. It's really fun. I will say the one cool thing that she does on camera, because I know... A lot of her, like, stunts are done by a stunt double, like mm -hmm. the flipping and stuff. Sure. But you can tell it's actually her during the jump roping. Yeah. Like, could you imagine jump roping while walking, like, skipping in those heels? <laughs> yeah. Freaking hell, man. <laughs> um, yeah. And you get, like, this standoff between the three of them. Right. The bat, the cat, and the bird. Mm -hmm. And it's a wonderful scene, and it's kind of, like, playing out, like, what the dynamics are going to be. And Batman chases her down. Right. So you get this wonderful fight between them. And, um, you know, he, like, hits her with a napalm bomb. Yeah. And you get the save by Kitty Litter. Right. That's a really good exchange. Yeah. Here's a few things I want to say about, like you said, this is kind of the first time we see Batman in action in this film, right? Bat uh, first off, Penguin, 
bites the nose off a campaign manager. I know. I love that so much. Rated R. <laughs> um, next, the outfit Penguin has on. I wrote Penguin nasty mud butt and really nasty outfit that really hurts his shape, especially his bottom. <laughs> Just a bad look for you, him. That makeup, man. It, it really made me laugh. Uh, anyway, uh, I put, finally, <laughs> I wrote, finally Batman shows up in for a street fight. Uh-huh. Uh, Batman puts a bomb on a on a, on a a guy and yes. him up. I and think that, that was the point where it took me aback. I was like, Batman is killing people. Yeah, that's when it finally hit. That's the scene that's kind of notorious amongst people of like Batman's a murderer in the Tim Burton movies. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you're ever on like internet shit or listen to Kevin Smith or sure. whatever, yeah, Batman's a crazy killer. And then we talked about this a little bit ago. A quote from the Penguin to Catwoman after they've encountered each other: "Just the pussy I've been looking for." Yeah, so. You get this encounter, and the battle lines are kind of drawn. Like, Catwoman's pissed at Batman, and I think that... I think as much as she's mad about the napalm, I think, like, there's this whole idea of, like, male heroism and, like, um, entitlement. Mm -hmm. Like, he's the hero. Like, why can't she be the hero? Right. You know, things like that. And she makes a pact with Penguin to, you know, get back at him. And, oh my gosh, there's another line I have written down that I figured you would love. Yes. And you probably have it written down too, or you noticed it. I'd like to fill her void. Yes. Uh-huh. You remember that? Yeah, I do. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, Penguin says the grossest things in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, how was this ever marketed to kids? And it was. It's this fair. was a movie, and parents were pissed. Yeah. Like, I remember when this movie came out, it did really well, but parents were so mad. We had... um. You said you don't remember much about the marketing right. of this movie. No, that's true. So at fast food places, I think it was at McDonald's, they gave away these commemorative cups. And do you remember like the Art Deco art for his campaign posters? It was like I don't know. You'll see him in the background, and it's like Oswald Cobblepot for mayor, and it's him like holding his umbrella, and it's okay. like done ah. very like 1930s that style, does, that like does, 1939 World Fair. That does vaguely ring a bell. Yes, they made cups off of that poster art, okay. and we had one of those. Oh, nice. Yeah, we were really big into the Batman, mm-hmm. so I got a bunch of Batman Returns toys. I had a Catwoman with a whip. Um, I had the Penguin in his black suit. They didn't really make any toys that resembled Danny DeVito's makeup because that is too <laughs> grotesque. Right. But He's yeah, a nasty man in this film. He is. I think that people had a problem on how to market this film. Yeah. I because mean, it, it was for kids. The 89 Batman movie is really dark, mm-hmm. but it's like this movie is gross. Yeah. And he, it's sexual in a way that's weird. Very much. You'll see times where like DeVito's just got this like nasty like blackish green like junk bile. falling out of his mouth yeah you see him like eat a whole fish like skinned and you you see him eat the inside yeah. of a fish he's a nasty human being if, if you want to call him a human being yeah. in this movie whatever he is he's a nasty man oh um another thing i have i this movie i know we talked about the me too movement and how like selena kyle's you know she would be a relevant figure sure. for that also I think the global warming stuff in this movie is really ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, they talk a lot about uh, the environment and like what Max's they do um, power station that he wants to make would do, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. to the environment. And I think this movie might be thir- like 20, 30 years ahead. Yeah, I 
I think it's an important film to watch now. Like, if you it's more relevant stuff, now than '92, right? Very much so. I agree with you 100 there. Yeah, man. those are some things you should definitely think about while watching this movie. Yeah, I not to be political, but one might see the Max Shrek as a Trump and the Penguin as a Giuliani. Yeah. Maybe yep. that's how Giuliani became mayor. Hey, that's a possibility. That's a good thought. This is all a joke. Don't be offended. <laughs> I'm just playing around. <laughs> yes. Okay, I want to bring up something real quick. Alfred in this movie. Uh-huh. I'm not the biggest fan of Alfred in this movie. The like, actor or just what he does? Both. Like, Wait. The actor's no, fine. No. <laughs> Why do you hate the actor? I'm just like, Michael Caine is such a powerhouse as... as but he Alfred. has more to do. He does, but don't, like... Don't, I just, don't hate man, on Alfred, I was, <laughs> Dude, I said... Uh, you need you to know, watch more Hammer movies. Michael Caine is the better Alfred, and I'm sorry. That's that's all I got. Like, I'm sorry. I love Michael Caine. You need to rewatch... Michael Caine. You need to rewatch... He's great Alfred. I know. This guy, this guy is... Look, I understand he's, you know, he's a big part of those movies. Just in this, he didn't work for me. I don't. I don't even know what he was doing here. Like, why is he? I don't know. He's got. A lot I got of great nothing. Scenes. I got nothing for him in this movie. Eighty nine Batman man. He's great. He plays Alfred in the four movies. Why didn't this write is, the actor's name actually, down? Actually, if you keep talking, give me a second and I'll find him. Can you do that for me? Yeah. <laughs> Tell um, me why you like Alfred. Okay. Because I'm I'm being harsh about him. I I do like the relationship that Bruce has with Alfred in those like first few movies. Uh, he's the only good part in Batman and Robin, to be honest. And he is, he's a Hammer veteran. Yeah, no, I think that's all good points. Um, I, I wish I had better news for you. I'm trying to find him right now. Um. Michael Goh. Thank you. Michael Goh. I, I think Michael I said, Go. I think I said Gambon earlier in the film. That's actually who plays, he's also in Hammer movies, I believe, but he plays, uh, and Harry Potter, Dumbledore. But, yeah, Michael Goh. He yes. is also from Hammer Films. G-O-U-G-H. I believe he's in uh, Horror of Dracula. Okay. He's, uh, he might be a uh, Harker All right, yeah. in that film. That's a good movie. But, uh, yeah, get, and he shows up in other films. I think he's in Sleepy Hollow from Tim Burton. Tim Burton's kind of ha- has an affinity towards the Hammer horror. But, okay. And maybe I, I'm being too harsh on him. Like, I just, I think it's... A difference that I didn't grow up with these movies, so I'm just like Michael Caine is my Alfred to me. Yeah, and I, I just I understand not growing up with these movies. I was but I was just like, get out of here, dude. You don't like him. I didn't like him. What do you think of Pat Hingle as Commissioner Gordon? He's okay. He's you you I like mean, Gary Oldman, of course. So like you're <laughs> like of the hipster generation, yeah. Of like that's me. The Dark Knight is. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think the Dark Knight's like the best Again, Batman it, movie. Let me just but let me just say I, like, I have an affinity for these films. Let me just say like these these didn't this didn't ruin the movie like for me. Yeah, just, all I could think about was I wanted Michael Caine and I wanted Gary Oldman. Oh, okay, since we're talking about like comparing films, what do you think of Mike, Michael Keaton as Batman? Michael Keaton's a fine Batman. Like, do you think he's the best live action Batman? I mean, he's good. Like, he probably is. You think he's better than Christian Bell? Probably so. Here's what I like about him. He's got this look that, like, he's crazy. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yep. And it shows more... This film, unfortunately, 
you do not get enough Michael Keaton. Yeah, no, it's true. He's he's definitely he's so good in that first film. Underutilized. He is good in this movie, but he's not a main part in it. Yep, he's a side character in his own film, and that's what kind of bummed me out a little bit. Not like I just I was expecting more from the Batman character in this movie. Yeah, and again, I'm like I said, I I loved Catwoman and Penguin, so like it didn't like hurt it. I just. It took it down a little bit for me because it's a Batman movie. I was expecting more Batman. Maybe we'll do 89 Batman sometime so you get more Michael Keaton. Yeah. I'm kind of interested in your thoughts on that film. Sure. So we'll we'll do that at some point later in life. Yeah, man. Um, We sh- we kind of derailed a bit. We did. I'm sorry about Back that. Back on the movie. So I think our next set piece is the costume party after the fight. Bruce and Selina are there. It's at Max's party. Oh, we need to get to Batman being disgraced, the mm. Ice Princess. Yeah. So the Penguin and Shrek capture the Ice Princess. She's like this hot Kathy Ireland looking thing. That's right. You know, Penguin and Catwoman join up and Catwoman doesn't know they're going to kill her. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a betrayal. Yeah. And Penguin like throws a dart down like with his umbrella to shoot bats out. And it frames Batman into, like, Gotham thinking that Batman killed the Ice Princess. Right, like, and we've seen this in other movies of Batman sure. later on. But this was the first yeah. to do it this way. Right? Yeah, framing Batman to yeah. be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. So, that happens. Selina's a little pissed off, but she still fights Batman. But she fights the Penguin because he talks more about wanting to have sex with her. Yep. And she's grossed out by this, so he puts an umbrella around her neck <laughs> and sends her flying away. I do love the follow-up to this where she falls through the greenhouse mm-hmm. and she screams yeah. and yeah. breaks all the glass. Like, her freakouts in this movie are so good. Yes. Can we both agree that would have killed her? Maybe she landed in dirt. Okay, that's fair. Who knows? Anyway, she gets nine lives, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. So, then Batman goes back to the Batmobile after showing his, like, bat glider, which is kind of cool. He's flying around right. the city like a bat. Goes to the Batmobile. The bad guys programmed it to be bad. You get the scene where the penguin is in his van that's, like, his uh, campaign van. And he's got an arcade machine in there. And they do a cutaway where it looks like the penguin's, like, just having sex in the van because it's bouncing up and down. Yep. And he's, like, playing this arcade game, trying to, like, ruin the Batmobile and kill old women. Yeah. And during this time, you get a big plot point, but it's not played up there, where Batman pushes a CD in to record the audio. Right. And he records Penguin saying these awful things about Gotham City and its citizens. He's got him on record. So, Penguin, and this is the part of the movie where the movie starts to, like, speed by and get really sloppy. Mm-hmm. So, right after that, we get the Penguin giving a speech. Batman goes in the Batcave, puts the CD in, and, like, plays it during the speech. So, people of Gotham know that he's a dirtbag. And you get this, like, silly thing where he spins it like a DJ. That's right. That's kind of stupid. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. But, people turn against him. They throw fruit at him and tomatoes and lettuce and stuff. Yeah. And... Then the penguin goes into hiding again, and he's mad at Shrek, Mm -hmm. so he invades the party. So, now we're getting to this costume party. Bruce and Selina, at this point, have started dating. They have a date, and you have this duality of persons to where 
they start like getting hot and heavy on the couch. Yeah. And they don't want to go through with it because they touch each other where their wounds are from the night before. That's right. It's a fun little scene. This scene reminds... Now, this is different as in far of... This is different as the characters play out. But, like, this reminds me of, like, the Val Kilmer Batman scene. If you remember him and Nicole Kidman having an intimate moment. Uh Uh-huh. Like, it just brought back... They kind of used this scene as kind of, like, the go-to for that love scene. Yeah. Which... They also do that in Batman 89. They do a love scene. Okay. Um, it's it's a little bit more tasty. I wish I had more to bring to Batman 89. I, I, I seriously probably haven't seen it in I like 10 would, years. I th- honestly think you would love that movie with your well, nowadays lens. We'll talk about it someday. Yeah. I would like so, so we get this costume party and you get the, all these elegant masks. It's shot really well. And I think the most interesting thing about it is Selena and Bruce are there without mask because they are wearing their mask because Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle at this point are the fake people. Yep. It's really Catwoman and Batman. Yep. And in this scene, all I wrote down was Michelle Pfeiffer strutting queen. Yeah. She looks great, man. Looks awesome. What do you think about like the music that's playing here? What do you think about like that? That scene, you get those lines of, um, you know, mistletoe is deadly if you eat it, but a kiss is deadlier if you mean it. Yeah. And that gets thrown back. Right. Uh, that's it good does. writing. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like all this. This stuff's good. I really like their relationship. I think, it, I think there's a lot there to take in, like, between, you know, Catwoman, Batman, and then the actual... Selena Kyle, Bruce Wayne relationship. It's like, all about duality. Definitely. And like, I think this movie probably did the best at that relationship stuff. Maybe even more than some of the newer Batman films. I might be wrong on that, but like, no, I, no, no, I, no, I agree. How, how that relationship corresponds and how it rounds about in this movie. Yeah, it, it's great. Um, I, what do you think of the Penguin's entrance during this scene where he explodes from the ground <laughs> and tries to take... Shrek's kid. Yeah. But he ends up taking Max instead. It's true. <laughs> Do you like that scene? It didn't bother me. It's pretty audacious and awesome. Yeah. it. I was fine with it. It sets up a third act that doesn't deliver. Yeah, it does. And this is like in this section is kind of the draggy part for me. Again, I was never bored during this film. And you've made the point that you thought it could have been longer. I, and it could have been also I've had a few drinks. So Right. But, it, it, it definitely, I, I was starting to feel the length at this point. My thing is, I think that if you added more scenes with Bruce Wayne, maybe the film would have felt more rounded out. And also the third act feels super cut short. So I do have a note. Uh, this film riffs on Elephant Man and Patton. Mm. Elephant Man, it's right when Penguin's disgraced. He comes down into the sewers and he's like, I am not a man. I'm an animal. Mm-hmm. Yep. That scene. Yep. And then for Patton, you get the the third act is it runs by like that. Mm-hmm. It's so quick and it's really messy. You get right after the penguin comes to the party, stills Max. He tells all the adults of Gotham like, "I'm taking your children." Yeah. You get a quick cut of the train. And then Batman stops the train. Mm-hmm. And it's not no action. You just get a shot of Batman just like smiling yeah. in front of the train. Right. Were we cheated in an action scene? It's possible. 
Could we have gotten a 15-minute scene of Batman tracking down, like, these people and stopping and fighting and things? Yeah, and I, I think, like, even though I already complained about the length, I think something like that would have would have sparked back my interest and got me, like... Like another action Reevaluate, yeah. Like, like, got me more invested again. Yes. I, I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah, right, so sure. we should have had an action scene there. We don't get it. We just get... That happens... And then we cut away to a patent-like speech right. where the penguin comes out to all of his penguins that are hooked up with robotic rocket launchers. Yeah, it's kind of strange. And he's giving the patent speech of, you know, the very beginning of the movie of patent. And it might not be a thing that you've watched, but you, you're familiar with the scene. Yes. Where he comes out and makes a speech to everyone. Yep. So it's kind of a riff on that. Yep. Um, he inspires the penguins to go out. They go out with the mind control stuff. And they're going to bomb Gotham. Yeah. All of this happens in five minutes. So you get no, like, space between Penguin's initial plan fails and now he's going to nuke Gotham. There's yeah. no, like, spacing there. Right. And I think it's kind of, like, it's startling. Maybe that's not the right words. It, it's kind of off-putting that, mm -hmm. like, boom, boom. Like, this is your third act. Like, yeah. there's too many big things happen big, right there. That's fair right there. Like, if we had spacing, more spacing between the train with the kids and the penguins bombing the city, I think the movie would play out better. Yeah. No, I think that's all fair. But enough. instead, we're cut to these penguins marching through the city. Batman's in the bat, like, ski boat. Which is, it's a cool vehicle. Yeah. But the scene's a little silly, yeah. inherently. Where he's, like, targeting these penguins to make them come back to the Arctic Zoo. Mm hmm I have penguin bombs, Batman, what the F look. Yeah. Okay. There's a scene when he's in the sewer where the penguins launch missiles at his craft. He has this look on his face, like, what the hell? Mm hmm Like, I think he's channeling the audience of... There are penguins with missiles? Yeah. What the F? Yeah. A, a few things I want to just mention during all this that sure. we've talked about. First off, I want to say, like, this has to do with the art design. I love the big duck. Yeah, the big duck's is, awesome. Uh, in the sewer. Um, I, I like that a lot. What do you think of stuff. Arctic World with the polar bear yeah, over yeah. the sign? Good stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. Very good. Um, some other things I want to mention. There's a very big-looking clown man who, at one point, he gets shot. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> killing kids? That's right. I don't know about that, Mr. Penguin. We think he's dead. And then I get, like, this Billy Madison vibe. Like, hey, kids, I thought you thought I was dead. Dead. And then the penguin, or, I'm sorry, the penguin. This big clown man comes back. I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't notice that. At when? Least, I might be wrong. But I thought he comes back, unless it's a different actor. Like, a different, bigger clown man. But I thought he came back. I wrote it down. Again, I may have had too many drinks this time, but I thought I don't recall back. that. <laughs> I I I do know that you see the big clown man in the water. Yeah, when Max goes to get the gun, and he says, "Yeah, that that's why I wrote down." Like earlier, I thought he was gone, and then I see him come back. The big onch in the water. Big onch. I'm sorry that that's a derogatory term. But is that for bigger? When he's in the water, he's dead though, right? Yeah, but, like, he's back, though. Like, I Wait, thought... <laughs> I don't know what you're meaning. He's in the water, so he's dead, right? right? I thought I still saw him alive again before that. In the water? No, but... 
I don't know, man. I'm I'm talking out. Probably. No, no, I'm interested. In I, I feel like he came back before. He might have. But again, I might be wrong. I might be out of my mind. I just want to mention him because I like I like that guy's look. No, he, it's a good look. <laughs> He's a main bad guy in the video this game. This is a controversy. Someone will have to figure out for us. Also, the guy with the monkey is a bad guy in the video yeah, game. Yeah, I like He's that boss monkey character a lot. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to throw out those couple things I wrote down. Just some ridiculous things. <laughs> I thought that the ending is very anticlimactic. In like as far as the penguin goes, so Batman launches his ski thing through the zoo and smashes the penguin vehicle. Yeah. And it kind of launches the penguin through a window or something. And then Batman goes to the penguin's lair because the penguins... I feel like it's one of those... Batman's plan is to call all the penguins back to their home base and they're going to blow that up. Yeah. But he's there. Mm -hmm. So it's very much like a, oh shit, what did I do? Yeah. Why did I do this? Yeah. Some some good, some more good quotes Uh during all this kind of last sequence. Um, we have another standoff with Batman and Catwoman. Yeah. Um, Batman asks her, we're the same? We are the same, right? Yeah. And she's like, uh, really? God, rich boys. I like that a lot. (laughs) Next, uh, another quote I really liked is when Catwoman, uh, gives a kiss and she says, how about a kiss Santa Claus? And when she kills Shrek? Yes. And we see Shrek's death. We see... A lot of insane explosions. There's a lot of violence in that last act. So, Shrek's death... Okay, let's build this. Penguin falls in the water. We have Batman, Selina, and Max. Batman, for whatever reason, because throughout this film, we have shown that Batman's a psychotic killer. Yeah. Batman's like, we gotta save Shrek. He's gotta go to jail. Yep. And Selina's like, no, he's scum I have to kill him yeah and he rips off his mask Shrek has a really good line of like Bruce why are you dressed as Batman yeah he is Batman you idiot mm-hmm. that's what Selena says <laughs> it's a it's a good exchange yeah so he shoots Bruce Selena gets shot multiple times right and every time she's shot she counts down her lives yeah which is really cool. We're getting down to the nitty gritty for her lives left. And you get a nice callback to the beginning of the film when she is victimized by a clown from the Red Triangle Gang. He has a taser gun. Yeah. She takes that taser gun, mm-hmm. rips a cord out from like yep. the electronics or whatever, and like smashes it into Max's face with the taser gun. And that's when the How About a Kiss yes. Santa Claus. And we get electric electrocution. That... So Batman, after that, is, like, pulling up rubble to find Selina. Yep. And he sees Max. Yep. Dude, that dead Max face. It's pretty weird. Pretty it's like up. It's like uh, Last Crusade. Mm. Raiders, you know, Indiana Jones, Last yeah. Crusade. Like, that scary old face mm-hmm. from the end of that movie. That's what it reminded me of. That's that, that scene, like, his face. Like, when I saw that, it took me back. To when I was when I was younger because that's something I remember. Would it have freaked you out when you were a kid? It did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I, I right after that. that, you get the penguin rising from the water with freaking goo spraying out of his face because he's dying. Yeah. It's like weird black bile. Yeah. Pretty much. And 
he like goes to get his umbrella to shoot Batman, and it's like a, a just a play umbrella, mm-hmm. and he falls, and the Emperor Penguins carry him down to yep. like his weird funeral thing. Yep. We have a whole thing. Yeah, it's very grotesque. It is. Yeah. What do you think of the third act of this film, man? Um, I think it's really messy and too fast. Yeah. I it it didn't fully work for me. Selena's story it, works. Yeah, she, her 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 part works great. It didn't ruin the movie for me. No. It just it's not as strong. I, I really connected the to the first half of this movie sure. much more than I did the second half. So, not saying again, I like the movie. It just I like the first part more. How does this movie, since we're at the end of this podcast, how does this movie play as a Christmas film to you? I think it's good. Like, this is a, this is a Christmas movie. Do you feel like it holds the spirit of Christmas? It does. You get the tree lighting? Yeah. It, it's all set in the snow. The snow is great. Like, I, yeah, I, I felt the winter. Yeah. I, I felt it in this movie, and uh, it got me, it, it got me excited and pumped more for the Christmas season. How about you? Oh, dude, I love this movie. This... Like, for me, unheralded Christmas films that are awesome. Yeah. It's like this, Die Hard, Gremlins, and, like, the various horror films that I watch throughout the year during Christmas time. Like, it gets me pumped for Christmas. It has the spirit of Christmas in it. And, you, like, Selena's story is so good. It's really good. It's fully realized. The only problem is the other two stories are not. Yeah. So, it, it is a sloppy, ambitious film. Sure. But I'm glad it was made. Right. It feels like a studio head just said, Tim Burton, 89 Batman was like the best, most successful film ever. Here's infinite money. Go do what you want to do. Yeah. And he made a weird, sloppy movie. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not upset he did. No, like, it's really cool. This is, this is one... There's a lot of his movies of early days I haven't rewatched, but like I feel like this is one of his best movies. I agree. I think that his two Batman movies are him in top form because you get like you get the good Hollywood like sensibilities, but you also get like the weirdness isn't overpowering. Yeah. Right. Where's where does this rank on the Batman scale for you as far as films go? Ooh, it off the top of my head. Dark Knight's number one. Batman 89's two. This and Batman Begins are kind of like Mm -hmm. an even kill for me. I guess it just depends on the mood I'm in because I think both of those films are a little problematic. Yeah. Dark Knight and 89 Batman are like pretty damn close to perfect for me. Here's what I'm going to say, which I'm sure is controversial. This goes in the top two for me because, again, I have not seen Batman 89 in a long time, so I'm not going to... I'm not going to say anything about it right now because I don't remember. There are parts of it I remember, but mm-hmm. as a film, I don't remember it very well. So as of right now, this is one of my one of my favorite Batmans. Like, I really enjoyed it with this in Dark Knight. How about from a scale, like, what do you think of comic book movie, like, this as a comic book movie versus what we have now? Because we now get, like, what, five to seven a year? This, this is much more like a work of an auteur. It's more interesting. Right. You know, it doesn't succeed on every there, level. Right. There are parts that I that I find not working for me in this film. But, like, I enjoy, like, like a sloppy movie doesn't bother me. As far as, like, when I see ambition, 
I'm I like auteur work a lot. Like I, I know this is a Tim Burton film, right? Uh-huh. Like everything about it. And as we talked about the score, like the score ties it all together. To me, this interests me much more than than Marvel. And there are some Marvel movies I love. We've talked about right, it. but like this, there are Marvel movies that are better than this. Sure, yeah, and I agree. But this, this is, movie's so ambitious. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's so audacious and different. Yeah, that it's more interesting than your typical right. summer movie fare. Yeah, this this is something like this is the type of movie we don't get very often anymore. No, like, not at all. This is a movie that if it's made today. First off, it'd be a bomb. Yeah. And second of all, second of all, like, who's going to give him the money to make this movie? Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, you know, Batman 89 was so successful that I feel like they just were, do whatever you want, Tim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think it screwed him. I bet that's, I know that they, I imagine they asked him back for number three. But he, by that time, was like Ed Wood came right. out right after sure. this, you know, Oscar Darling. Yep. So I bet that he was kind of chasing his own things. Right. He was um, kind of done with the Batman universe. Yeah. Joel Schumacher Batmans are not as good. Very different. Yeah. They are their own thing. <laughs> They're their own thing. They're not <laughs> yeah. as good. But if you enjoy like weird. What was the- I will say this, like they're worth watching because they're entertaining. Yeah. I'm not by any means seeing they're good. They're worth watching. They're different. They are very different. Yes. They they have like a weird mix of like 60s Batman with yeah. like, what would you say, like queer theory? Very much so. I mean, you know, Schumacher, we know is a, is a gay director and like he lets that shine in those films. Yeah. It, they're very over the top. Very much so. So, so uh, final thoughts on Batman Returns, man. Yeah. I really enjoyed this movie. Like, it... Well, I guess it's been a month, month or two back. We did like a Commando episode, right? And that was a movie I wasn't entirely excited about. I was felt kind of the same way about this one. Like I was going to do it for the show, and because we get to talk, we yeah. get to have a fun time. But like, it's one of those movies that I wasn't expecting much from, and I had a good experience. Like I enjoyed it. I think there's a lot there, and I'm pumped that we watched it and got to talk about it. And it's a movie that. And I always like these type of movies. Like, it's not a masterpiece for me, but it's a movie that I think is, like, it surprised me. And I it's love surprises. Yeah. Dude, I'm glad you liked it. Like, I, I want, I really enjoy finding movies that are, like, pop art things that I think you're going to like. Yeah. So, this movie is definitely a thing worth seeking out. Uh, if it's Christmas time, summertime, whenever, you know, watch Batman Returns. It's a very fun ride. Yeah. Great job. Great movie. Good time. So, Merry Christmas to you and yours. I'm going to have a good Christmas. No one's going to have a good Christmas. Yeah. We're going to eat a lot. I'm going to have a lot of beverages. Yes. And you all should do the same. Uh, enjoy movies. This enjoy the, each other. This is the time of year where we should enjoy what we have and who we're around. Yeah. So, that being said, follow us on the Twitter at um, Cinema Parlor. You can find us both on Letterboxd. You can find me at Chuck Madden Jr. or Nolan Tuck. Esclover84. And also rate and review our show. We don't have many reviews or ratings. We could use anything, whether good or bad. Please let us know how you feel. And other than that, um, this has been fun, Stacy. Shit, yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to everyone. And enjoy your time off if you get any. Merry Christmas, one and all. And to all a good night. Honey, I'm home. Oh, 
God, I'm not married. This is your mother. Call me. Selena, this is your mother. Why haven't you called me back? Hello, Selena, Kyle. We're just calling to make sure you've tried Gotham Lady perfume. One whiff of this at the office and your boss will be asking you to stay after work for a candlelight staff meeting for two. Gotham Lady perfume, exclusively at Rex Department. <laughs>